Welcome back, everybody. Long-awaited return uh, to episode eight of the Where We Are Today podcast. I, again, started this podcast for those that don't know or aren't listening as a way to touch base with friends, new and old, on what they're doing, how they've kind of grown through my friendship with them and, and where they are today. So today I have a very good friend of mine from Longwood, Casa Telegatis. Uh, very excited to have you on, brother. How are we doing? I'm doing all right, Barney. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, no problem, man. We've, this has been a long time coming. Casa has started his own podcast series uh, called The Proper Millennial, which is really, really enticing. Um, just talking about different experiences in different industries and workplaces and just careers in in kind of the millennial-like space. So I, uh, it's actually funny. We just finished recording that episode with, with him. Um, and then I, I was like, you know what, let's just knock both of these out and happy to have you on. So Casa, just tell me a little bit about where you're from, uh, how you got to Longwood, and then we met through an old teammate of mine, Steve Johnson, uh, who was uh, a Sigma Nu at Longwood. So that's how we, our relationship kind of formed, and then obviously with Deshaun. But yeah, a little bit about you, where you're from, where you grew up, and how you ended up at Longwood, and, and what happened afterwards. Yeah, so uh, from Richmond, Virginia, very similar to you, Barney. I went to Douglas Freeman High School, got a chance to kind of be exposed to the weight room there, and I'll dive into a little bit how that plays in later. Um, Really didn't have a lot of self-confidence growing up, uh, hung out in punk rock scenes all across the East Coast, really, really enjoyed that, but I realized it wasn't going to really take me anywhere. So I wound up, uh, you know, going to, you know, colleges, seeing tours, but I, I didn't really think it was for me. So I had a strength and conditioning coach in high school. We had a full-blown weight room. This strength coach is probably like one of the most premier, you know, father figures I've ever had in my life. Came over um, from Arizona State to work with us at a public high school. And we had a full-blown weight room, changed my perspective on everything. My grades went up, uh, self-confidence went up. Like, I even had my first date with a girl. Like, like to me, at that age, <laughs> that was a big deal, right? Yeah. So yeah. I quickly realized the importance of it. And then from there, you know, wound up getting to college, uh, about five or six of the places I applied to. And my grades were nothing special, you know. So I saw Longwood. I figured at the time and space, you know, maybe going to a big school wasn't the best move for me. And I really liked Long because it was smaller. It was an old school kind of college feel. And that's just what I wanted to do. Wound up meeting you through Steed and a couple of the, the other uh, Theta Chi guys that, that I knew. Um, definitely shared a great relationship with you guys as you were training um, at Longwood while you were playing tennis. Um, and then I wound up founding Strength and Conditioning after a very long, long uh, seven-year hardship. Uh, just kind of hit the wall personally with a lot of issues that were going on. And it changed my perspective once again. So I had the ability to go back to what that coach taught me in the weight room and figure out who I was as a person and where I wanted to go and how much work that was going to take personally, professionally, whatever it may be. But that's an intro about like, you know, our relationship, how we met yeah. everything else and a little bit of background about myself. Yeah, that's yeah. Thank you for that. That's fantastic. It's, uh, it's really interesting because, um, you know, you were in the kinesiology focus for a long time at Longwood, right? And, and kinesiology for a lot of people is just kind of broad, right? There's the multiple different paths that you can take. You can go PT route. You can use that to go to med school. You can use that to go to PT, you know, like uh, PA school. Mm -hmm. But strength and conditioning, I remember you working with us like our junior year in 2015. Mm -hmm. You were helping out in the in the training rooms with, with Rick and some of the guys in the strength and conditioning program. So when you were navigating that, it seemed like, did you come in with the idea that you were going to do strength and conditioning at Longwood or was it more like I'm going to do kinesiology and see what I can figure out from there? 
So I actually came in undeclared. I wasn't sure at that point in my life what I wanted to do yet. Um, I wanted to give kind of everything I tried this semester undeclared and did some general, um, some gen ed tracks that could line up with a lot of different fields, whether that was communication, business, marketing, you know, exercise science, kinesiology, whatever it may be. Wound up kind of thinking back to my time in the weight room again and kind of where I wanted to go. I'm like, well, you know what, exercise science sounds like a good fit for now as far as my interests go. Right. Because I was taught by my parents to chase a passion and a purpose, not a dollar sign necessarily, yeah. which, I, which I think is phenomenal advice for, for anybody, you know, looking to grow up. So uh, initially done all the, the research on every different part of it, realized, you know, I probably did not have the grades to get into PT school. And even then I didn't want to help, um, you know, 50 year old moms repair a rotator cuff doing spider crawl drills up the wall. It's just very monotonous. It's very boring. It's, it's, if you know my personality, I'm very eccentric. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't like doing boring. Uh, I yeah. like exciting, fast pace. That's my style. Um, so I wound up, you know, trying everything. Like I said, hit that low point in my life. I went back for a summer and I just did manual labor, you know, for the whole summer. I was with a temp job, just breaking and moving a lot of things. And, you know, I said, well, I got to lose weight, change my mindset, change everything about me. So I lose about 30 pounds that summer. I get in the weight room with a big time strength coach who runs his own private facility out here in Richmond. And I had the chance to just like breathe for a sec and find that passion and purpose. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, you know what? Here's the last discipline of the exercise science kinesiology program that maybe I'd be good at. So I, I tried it out, got in with it. And eventually uh, the head strength coach at the time, John Hart needed help because he didn't have enough yeah. interns. Like, okay, I'll take you on kid. And I had a chance to go do it. And it was just from day one, my teeth got sunk and I could not get enough of it. You know, yeah. I'm pretty sure I had a lot of my friends say, Costa, shut up about these Soviet tra training philosophies you're learning about in the weight room and yeah. athletic performance and repairing injuries post rehab. Like they, they don't care. But that's when I knew, okay, you need to stay here. Um, yeah. But that, that's how I found it, man. And it was just a phenomenal time, especially with that staff. We had a good staff. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because like, so I started as a bio and comp side, computer science, double major. And then I wanted to go to med school. And then like, you know, I think when we were, I like the way that you approach it. Cause I think when we get into college or even just selecting colleges, we have this abstract idea of what like everyone thinks we should be doing and like what society and like people are doing. So we try and do that. But it's really interesting to me that you kind of started from scratch, right? You're like, I'm just going to, I got into college, like, great. Like, I'm happy I'm here. I'm going to take my time to figure out what I want to do. And sometimes it's just that, like, moment of time where it just clicks. I think that summer for you was a big part of, of mm -hmm. what clicked. So, like, what, what about training? What about strength and conditioning? What about all of what you do now and how you transition, transitioned into it was um, exciting to you, right? Because I know, so for people listening, Costa went to Longwood and then he went to University of Miami to get his master's in uh was it exercise science and physiology or yeah so it was exercise physiology with a concentration and yeah. strength conditioning as well okay yeah so so costa like really after school devoted himself to this and i i really wanted you know i want you to talk about what that experience personally has meant for you and like how you use that to to kind of give it to the people that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis well, I, th I think the first thing I have to touch on is just being a servant, right? Like there's no, there's not a lot of glamor behind this field. There's not a lot of uh, publicity unless you get to like the NFL or NBA or certain combine training spots. And it, it was really like, okay, I liked what I was doing. Yeah. And I knew from the get go, like, okay, there's going to be hard times, struggles. You're probably going to, 
you know, maybe want to give up once or twice, but if you stick it through and have that grit that, you know, you were taught initially, you can make it through anything. And now I try to teach that same grit to other people who maybe haven't had that experience. Um, or maybe some guys who have had that experience are now teaching me certain things as we're in coaching or whatever it may be, or I'm programming. And even then it's, you know, it's taught me how to connect with people. Uh, yeah, I would, if, yeah, I'm sure you remember my freshman year. I was, I was shy, dude. I didn't know how to speak to people. Yeah. Couldn't talk to, um, you know, men, women, who, whoever I could barely talk to my professor after class. Right. <laughs> so it, it gave me a, a sense of confidence, um, and gave me a chance to kind of rebuild myself from scratch once again, after yeah. seven years of just hardship leading up, uh, to this one point in my life. So when you start layering those bricks down. Uh, Will Smith gave a great, great analogy of this uh, in an interview. He said, it's not about build, building the biggest wall. It's about laying down each brick day by day, the best you can lay a brick possible. And suddenly after 14 days, you picked up some momentum. Right. And now from there, that brick starts becoming a wall. Yeah. So now you're building up something that's special. And I, I think a lot of people, like you said, were taught to go be lawyers, doctor, <laughs> engineer, you know, business, whatever it may be. And I just knew that I, I'm not meant for the office space, man. I'm way too eccentric for that. You know, I I would probably cuss out an HR rep if I actually like hung out (laughs) with them in their office. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, you're someone that likes to move, not just like physically, but also just like, like mentally in terms of maintaining relationships, being exposed to different things. And I think, one thing that I really want to get into is you talked about some of the hardships, which you mm-hmm. know, it, I want to really take a personal side of things. So feel free to share as much as possible, but can you talk about like some of those hardships that you face like across those seven years and, and, and maybe even like growing up that really kind of shaped you to be who you are today? Yeah. So I think it all kind of starts in a, you know, middle school for me. And I realized, okay, I was not here to be the popular kid. You know, that, I think that's the first one. Uh, you know, I had gone through a lot of anger issues as a kid, um, went to therapy for, you know, 13 plus years. And from the second your brain is fully developed, you're told, okay, you're a freak, you're this, you may need to be medicated, you're that. Right. And that as a kid is very traumatizing because now the first thing you're thinking about is, God, why am I so different? Why, why am I so messed up? Am I really that different from everybody? And, you know, the medicine really did not do me well. Um, Definitely messed my head a little bit, made things worse. And then from there, you know, there's no sense of confidence after I leave high school, after the weight room. And even then there never really was much, but there was a lot that was built in that weight room specifically. Yeah. So when I try to move on to college, you know, I'm thrown into this spotlight with Sigma Nu and, you know, somehow get a bid and, party with with everybody but at the same time i am i am not the traditional sigma nu in a sense i am not this frat star whatever else Uh, and and it was hard because for me it's like okay (sighs) like you're you're not really as social as you want to be but when you are it's not at the right time you know so (laughs) you just see failure after failure being built up and then when you're underneath all that blanket of failure you feel like the whole world is against you it's you versus the world so now you become bitter and you become angry probably a little depressed with it and it leads up to a specific night that I'm not going to talk about here on the air, but where I just, I had to hit the wall moment. Like, dude, there is rock bottom. There's no coming back. You are done. Like this is it. Um, You have to change or you will die. There is, there is that, there is that really that brick line that is separating you. It's a very thin one. And so I I wound up, like I said, 
uh, taking that summer to learn about myself. I'm pretty sure I only drank maybe like one time that summer. What which like, summer was this? Was this while we were in school? Yeah, yeah. This was uh, the summer between sophomore and junior year. So the summer between 2014 and 2015. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wound up really just, okay, if I can just build this little bit of confidence, maybe I can get that next piece. Okay, we'll go back to that brick analogy that Will Smith talked about. Okay, I laid yeah. this brick down. That way, when I do take a hit, boom, like, all right, I still got a little bit of reserve left. I'm good. And from then, I just built it up slow and slow. Eventually, leads to the internship. Internship leads to me taking on a higher responsibility in the fraternity um, with you know, being the philanthropy chair that year, becoming a better leader, and then yeah. eventually developing relationships, um, and then now bringing people together. And I think that was the key part of coaching that I really liked. It's not necessarily the science or the physiology or the biomechanics, but it was bringing yeah. people together for a cause. And I realized yeah. that was my purpose and passion for being on this earth. So when I had that, that was the moment where, okay, now we know what we want to do. And everything changed like 182 fold, you know, I was more confident, uh, you know, you, you look better because you have more masculine qualities, right? You, yeah. you're more confident. You're, you have bigger muscles, you're eating better food. You're taking more time for yourself and doing what you love. And all that is just feeding back twofold. Right. Yeah. That's a uh, really, really, thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Cause I think, man, like, you know, in this day and age, like social media wasn't really around when we were in, in, uh, in like middle school and in high mm -hmm. school, it was just like scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. but even then, like middle school and high school are brutal. And, brutal. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, if you don't fit, it, it's, it's so just like, if you don't fit the typical mold of what everyone else is doing, like you're considered, you know, weird or whatever. So it, it's tough. And like a lot of kids face that now with social media because, you know, you're posting things. It doesn't get enough likes. Like it, it's, it's hard. So I appreciate you sharing that. So, you know, let's like talk about as you've gotten into the work workplace. So I think we, we talked a little bit about like, you know, what started the trajectory and the block yeah. that you hit So, like as you've gotten into your more adult career right like post-college has there been anything that you've really faced that's been like really trying again where you felt like hey like I'm kind of like I'm going along this path career-wise but like personally development-wise like there's a ton that I need to work on or like things that kind of made it difficult for you to like manage just life in general yeah. And, and I think I'm going to dial back to my time in Detroit. Uh, you know, like you yeah. said, you know, I went down to Miami for grad school for two years, came back yeah. to Richmond. The strength and conditioning field is a lucrative one. So your next job may be in Tokyo, London, could be <laughs> yeah. middle, middle Africa, like, right. but that's your next job. So you have to go take that because there's probably not a lot else. It's a very scarcity right. mindset. So right. I took a job in Detroit. Um, once again, I just gotten all my friends back. It, it crushed me because like, oh God, like I just went through all that and now I have to go up right. here. Um, to a city that I don't necessarily want to move to just so I can get an income to keep myself alive in the field. Yeah. The company Exos was phenomenal to work for. Um, but I think I, what really struck me is, okay, dude, you got your job together. You got your coaching together. You got everything. But personally, you may not be as healed as you initially thought. There's insecurity. There's a lack of communication. Sometimes there's a lack of even reading people like, okay, yeah. dude, you could be really good with body language and talking to women or talking to other guys, but you may not hit everything. Yeah. And I'm going to get into kind of where that's going in a second. But I wound up talking to this girl for three months and not to get in the soapbox, but um, got left for the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, absolutely devastated. Um, came out of let like a right hook to the face, right? Yeah. And now her friend group is my friend group. So 
their friends, even though they still really wanted me around, it's like that barrier of who does their loyalty go to? And obviously they yeah. have more loyalty to her. I don't blame them at the end of the day, but it's right. still devastating because you worked for, you know, seven months to build up into that friend group, earn their trust, you know, do everything, get in with this girl. And now all that hard work is gone. You're back and to square one. Right. You, you were able to kind of get back some of the things that you like felt like you left behind in Virginia, mm-hmm. like in Detroit. Right. Yeah. And it was interesting because it actually was a blessing in disguise. Um, it made me realize, well, the first, it starts off with curiosity. Like, why did this happen? And obviously, you know, you're like mentally torturing yourself at night. Like, man. You like, think it's you. You, yeah, think you, think it, you think it's you. Yeah. And it may not have been you. It may have been the other person the whole time um, or her friends or a million other reasons, you know, yeah. it could have been you with your job and the stress you're feeling. But the biggest thing I realized was I miss signals. How can I go get those signals now? Yeah. And then from that sparked a curiosity into, okay, well now I have all this free time, you know, I'm finally, <laughs> you know, down from working 80 hours a week to 40 with Exos cause they're an actual company. So, okay. How do I keep developing skills? Cause I'm used to working 80 to hundred. So mm-hmm. I started watching seminars on, you know, lectures, behavior analysis, you know, anything I could get my hands on books. Um, and suddenly I started being like, well, what if I could apply this to networking in my field? So I call and message every strength coach between <laughs> Toronto, Canada and Los Angeles. Yeah. And whether they got back to me or not, I probably had over 120 networking calls. Yeah. Of those 120 networking calls, probably 40 of them became friends. And then I would say 25 of them are really, really good friends now that I can even trust in giving jobs to. So yeah. because of that, I was offered more jobs. I studied a new skill set and I was able to heal from some insecurities and work on myself in a sense and yeah. build up that confidence yet again. Like it's, it's, and for anyone listening, it's going to be a never ending battle. You're never going to have like the peak confidence. <laughs> you're Leonardo, you know, you're Dan Bilzerian with, you know, a yeah. million girls, multi-million dollar mansion <laughs> in Los Angeles, dude, I'm yeah. guarantee you he still faces insecurity. He has to work on like, it's yeah. one of those things. And yeah. it's never like going back to social media. It's it. That's someone's highlight reel. It's right. not, they're a representation of what they're going through. So I think people always need to keep that in check. But um, from that, now from those connections, I was able to spark conversation ideas. Then I wound up taking the job uh, with the Air Force, working with the pilots right now down at Langley Air Force Base, doing the same thing pretty much, getting paid a better salary, mm-hmm. um, and having a chance to learn from these guys. And they're teaching yeah. me stuff every day, man. I mean, the, wow. Like, it, I, there's some stuff I can't talk about on here, but it's, it's forcing me to get uncomfortable again, but in a positive light. So I think from that whole ordeal of this one girl and this one relationship ending so poorly and then being toxic in and out for, you know, a year came one of the best things that ever happened to me. And because of those connections, they sparked my idea for my podcast because yeah. of those connections, I wound up, you know, getting two writing deals with, you know, big websites in my field. So now it's like, okay, well, was it really that bad? And that's kind yeah. of where the, the personal dilemma changed me and helped me move on to even something better. It's, it's really interesting because breakups are hard. And like yeah. Beans was on here talking about it. Uh, Shay was on here talking about it. It's such mm-hmm. a common theme in our, like, our age group in our lifetime right now about how like, you know, those things impact people. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think you touched on something that I want to dive a little bit deeper into is like when, when, when you start thinking that like, Oh, I was a problem or like, you know, I, I generally think that like weight in a breakup goes 
both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's certain things one person does that really affected the other person and vice versa. Um, so I want to like dive a little bit. So when you started, like, it's so funny that you mentioned that there's like this human, like psychological component to how you approached it, like just in your regular life. But I see, I see so many more people that do strength and conditioning or personal training or anything of that nature. Like that's a big part about understanding how to cater to your clients, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is like who, like how do you change the way that you would normally train somebody to be different for each individual? So like, did you read a lot? Like how have you applied that into your like career? Cause like now you, you went from an exodus in Detroit. I used to watch all your Instagrams. <laughs> regular everyday normal people who are tr- personal training to get better and more healthy now you're working with like the department of defense the navy the army like the people that are already in very good shape so like how like what's the differentiator between there and like how do you tackle this group that's like focused on keep being in the best shape possible to go and serve yeah. And that's a great way to, to look at it, man. You know, it's, it's funny whether I was working with down at Miami with, you know, the Olympic sports staff down there to, you know, Exos with the gen pop or Exos with the NFL combine, everybody is different, man. And right. you cannot just categorize them in, in a box. They, you, that's a, that's a death trap. Yeah. Um, obviously pick out themes and try to attack the themes the best you can. Um, but also know their relationship with training. You know, some people may have had a terrible relationship. You know, I had a, I had a kid when I was at Exos that I was working with, um, high school basketball player, probably top 100 in the state of Michigan. Like, you wow. know, kid was nice, like all honesty. Yeah. But he had had, you know, somebody who was just a personal trainer and not a professional strength coach. For our viewers listening, there, there's a big difference, you know, <laughs> in licensure, degrees, biomechanical understanding of the body, energy yeah. systems, whatever. But he had messed up his knee with uh, Oscar Slaughter's disease. And, um, or not, not disease, uh, whatever the, the case may be that I did my research into with it, but his knees so, are messed so, up. So what, what is that really briefly, if you could describe Oh, uh, it's where the, the knee was in, uh, it was where the knee is inflamed and it causes a ton of tendonitis and pain in the kneecaps. Right. Sometimes it needs surgery. So basically what I, when I looked at him, I'm like, okay, well, dude, no offense, you're a twig. We got to put yeah. some weight on you. Because if you're going to go play with these guys in downtown Detroit, you're going to need to put some weight on you, dude. Like these yeah. guys are good ballers. They'll mess you up just from their size alone. Yeah. And anyone who's played basketball knows that it is, it's people say it's a non-contact sport. It's contact. I, it's a contact sport. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're playing four or five, like me, like I did in high school, you got to learn how to throw some bows once in a little while, man. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, I looked at him from just an analysis standpoint and I'm like, man, okay, your hamstrings are weak. This is weak. The doctor says I cannot do X, Y, and Z with you. And this guy who you're with previously violated that. Well, he just messed up. He just violated the first rule. Made it worse. Yeah, yeah he, he violated. We have two rules in strength and conditioning. The first is do no harm. Yeah. I need to get you injury resilient before I even think about, you know, improving uh, performance uh, indicators. Like KPIs is what we call them, right? Yep. Um, so I just looked at him like, okay, well, we need to get your hamstrings stronger. We need to get your knees out of pain. Then we'll take you to where we need to go. And because yeah. I had built that trust with him and broke down the science to him after my research, he's like, okay, I'll give you a shot. Suddenly he's, he has no knee pain. He's jumping higher than before. He is killing these guys on the court. And he's like, okay, yo, coach, I'm in like, no, no question. Like what's up. So now we're working more and more and more. He's feeling better, better and better. And he, he wants to keep working. That's the biggest thing. So you have to find out what they like, what their previous history was. Then you got to find out their values. What do they want out of it? Do they want to go to, you know, some people just want to be a good high school basketball player and that's it. 
Some people want to go, you know, off to play for Duke and Coach K, and that's awesome. Maybe a shot at the NBA. But you have to know where their relationship with training stops and stays. Because for a lot of people that worked with in the gen pop side, they just wanted to get in shape. Right. Well, that's very simple to program. However, for an NFL combine athlete, you know, we got to look at a multiple of different KPIs and where you're weakest, attack those first. If I got eight weeks to the combine, how do I get the most bang for my buck out of that eight weeks? Because I'm not going to be able to hit every, I'd check all the boxes. Yeah. So it comes down to assessments and everything else. And then, you know, obviously, how do you relate to them? What kind of personality are they? Uh, are they introverted? Are they extroverted? Do they like flash and style like Dennis Rodman? Are they a competitor like Michael Jordan, like none other? And that's all that matters. Um, that'll help you tailor the training to that because I could put someone underneath, you know, 120% of their one rep max and they'll be crushed. You know, if we're doing three second eccentrics and people have to pull them up they're they, they may not like that. Right. So there's got to be other ways to attack the same principles that we're looking at. And, you know, for me, I, I like that. Um, it's a people field. If you're an introvert, yeah. I'm a firm believer that you will have a much harder time succeeding. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very, very, very insightful. What, one thing that I want to kind of talk about, and you kind of mentioned this, is you went from Richmond mm-hmm. to Farmville, still general area, to Miami, to Detroit. Now you're back in Richmond. And, and you're someone that likes to travel. You're someone that likes to go all across the country, see people like, like you mentioned, you like to network and like build and go meet people. So like, what have you learned about yourself from traveling? What have, what, what's kind of, how have you been able to tie that back to who Costa is as a, as a person? I think it's helped me find my identity before yeah. anything else. You know, the people in Miami view things very differently than the people in Detroit. They are polar opposites, not only from the environmental standpoint, but from socioeconomics, everything. So I've been able to take the best of what I've found of each of those areas and bring it back into Costelagatis, right? Like my identity, my persona, whatever else. Um, and that's what I've really liked about it in a sense. It's yeah. helped me form that identity and then reinforce that identity. I also think for me, it's, help me see through, you know, all the crap in the world because you're not stuck in that bubble. You know, you and I talked about that on, on my podcast and our recording, but when you get stuck in that bubble, you become complacent. Your focus starts shifting to stuff that's not important. It could be, yeah. Oh, we're going to this amazing party in Shaco bottom in downtown Richmond tonight. Cool dude. Um, or it could be, okay, what's the next move for me for my business? What's the next move for me for what this new skill set I want to learn? And I was able to come across athletes, coaches, uh, common day folk, like people, even some of the current lieutenant colonels and majors that I work under right now at the base, they're pushing me to be better. Yeah. And that's what brings the persona and makes me want to kind of take another, go on another adventure, man. Maybe I'll end up in Europe one day. I don't know, <laughs> but it's taking that risk seeing the rewards in a sense, the best way I can describe it is this. The air force is a very, very, very unique um, way of handling things. And it's, and I mean unique in the best way possible. Yeah. They, they had, they go and fly these really long missions in the jet. The guys are cramped up, you know, they could like, there was a stealth bomber who talked about this in a Ted talk. He did a 40 hour mission where he flew from middle of the United States to Baghdad, bomb Baghdad and flew back in the same day. Mm. It is exhausting on his body at that point. Yeah. They still made him get out of the jet. They still made him go into the debrief room and do a two-hour debrief. Now, after 40 hours of being in that jet, what's the first thing you want to do? You'd probably take a shower and just sleep. Yeah. yeah. He got his cup of coffee. 
He went to the debrief room and he learned how to debrief. So what went right? What went wrong? How can we all be better from it? And I've taken that to heart, whether it's, you know, me hopping on your podcast right here, all the way to mine, my own writing, communication stuff I'm doing, and my own studies on the side. So that's one of the biggest things I think it's taught me. It taught me how to be, be personal with people, what I like, what I don't like, and then how to debrief myself in a lot of ways. That's, that's super fantastic. I think this leads right into the next question I had is, you know, I think you had such unique experiences touching upon what you went through in high school, middle school and high school, and then getting into how you dealt with stuff in college and then moving around. So like something that you really harp upon and something that we talked about a lot too, is just like the sense of purpose, like Mm -hmm. this, this idea of like, I'm going to be doing this because my end goal is to do this in the world in my industry, for myself, my family, whatever it is. What, like, the journey to get for you, uh, you seem very driven and focused, and I think you found, like, generally, like, across, like, horizontally, like, what your purpose is meant to be. Talk about, like, the process and how you went about that. What was the trigger to where you were, like, my purpose is X, and, like, this is who I want to be as a person, and this is how I want to be remembered. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it goes back to that initial trauma as a kid, like being pushed around, you know, I was on the basketball team and I got bullied, man, that doesn't happen, you yeah. know? So yeah, 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 yeah. it's, it's having those hardships as a kid will help expose you to that. So the exposure is the first piece. Yeah. Then you have to experiment. You have to be comfortable with fear and failure because those are the only needles that are going to keep you moving forward in the world. Yeah. Um, then I think it comes down to being complacent once or twice and seeing how bad it hurts you. So once you understand that, you can kind of narrow down your purpose, your skill set, specifically where you want to be in the world. And then I think everyone should come up with other skill sets they're good at. Like we've talked about the podcasting, the writing, um, I do consulting on the side and networking. These are incredible skills that'll, you know, transcend fields. So for whatever reason, if in 20 years I want to get out of the strength conditioning field, I have something to help me do so. Um, But by narrowing down and having those failures and being exposed to everything, I was never scared to not try it, mm-hmm. whether it's okay. Hey, here's this pretty girl at a bar in Florida. Let's go up and talk to her and see what happens all the way to, Hey, you know, here's this job opportunity out in Detroit. Do I want to roll the dice and risk it on it? Well, I really don't have a choice. So push me off the edge and let's see if I can fly. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's small things like that. So if you can do that, man, it's, it will help your career out and help you find your purpose faster than anything. And then I think going back to the relationship piece again, yeah, getting the crap knocked out of you mentally not being okay. Like I, I was not okay in Detroit. I openly say that on, on the air. Um, yeah. my, my, my middle seven months were, were horrible. The worst yeah. thing I've ever faced in my life. Mentally, I was not myself. Yeah. Um, but it forced me to go out and make new friends and see things from a different perspective. So having those traumas and everything else helps out a lot. And then even then now, like don't get complacent. You saw what happened when you got complacent. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. No, that's super, super interesting. I think purpose is something that is ever evolving, right? It's like, it's a, it's almost tied to like growth. You're, you're exposed to different things. You do different things. I think like purpose is, it's really timely. What your purpose is like right now is different from what your purpose was seven years ago. What your purpose is right now is going to be different than what it's good, like where you are at seven years from now. So I think, I think the way that you look at it is very like, it's, it's a very good approach, right? It's like analyze the situation that you're in right now. Think about the thing that matters to you right now and how you can turn that into something that's of like value or purpose for right now. I think what's really interesting is that like human mind plays a lot of tricks where like you, you get caught up in just 
everything and anything that's happening outside of you. And it's really hard to kind of center in on like what's, what's happening to you. Like everybody runs their own race is something that I always say. Is that like just because your friend or just because somebody that you know is at X point in their career doesn't mean that you're failing. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll get there. And there's going to be times where like that same person, you might be doing better than they are for three to five years. But then they'll like it, like life always finds its way like to reset itself. And I think it's very important to have that perspective, which is really, really interesting. So now that you've kind of figured all that out, I want to, I want to talk about like uh, the side stuff that you have going on. You mentioned writing, you mentioned the podcast, you mentioned all the networking and doing everything. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to start the podcast and then your journey into writing Cause, cause I, like you probably weren't the best writer in like, no, I was horrible. yeah, I was yeah. horrible, man. how, how you became more of like a thought leader in, in that space. So like, I just want to learn more about that. The first thing I think it starts with is kind of having some kind of external factor to push you in that direction. So yeah. for me, it was, it was two different things. Um, for the writing, it was seeing older strength coaches who I look up to write and get paid like, man, like they're just talking about what they're doing and they're getting paid for it. And they're contributing back to the field. So, well, what if I could do that? What if I could speak? What if I could be the keynote speaker? So it starts with seeing it. Then you got to ask yourself, well, okay, what if I could? What if? That's the most important question. And then from there, you got to have motivation to keep going. Um, You know, I had one of my buddies that I interviewed, John Jakubik. I've never met him in person. I have talked to him over the phone probably 30 plus times. The guy is phenomenal in my life. He started writing, podcasting, his own thing when he was a strength conditioning coach. And I was like, well, okay, so maybe he can teach me some things. So then I talked to other coaches, they put me in touch and then I get a chance to write my first article. I was like, Hey, like I heard you're doing this. Are you taking other writers? So you have to ask, like, say, Hey, would you mind if I went out and got this opportunity with you and show you what I'm worth? And if they're looking for writers, awesome. You now have an opportunity to prove yourself. And I think for just continuing that flame, I guess, um, I'm a big fan of that Jordan doc that came out, man. The last yeah. dance, last dance. Yep. He's an alien, you know, he, in a, you know, it's, he is, is someone who, you know, he's, he's one of us, Barney. He's something that other aliens kind of recognize. And he has this fuel to keep going, this purpose and this passion. And, you know, you watch a documentary. I got up afterwards and I was like, dude, what, what can I start working on? <laughs> you know, like yeah, you're fired up. You're yeah. fired up. So, you have to have something to chase and look up to. And I want to be the Michael Jordan equivalent in my field. I'm not saying just for strength and conditioning, but like as a name brand, like coach Telegatis, what is his name brand for that? So, you know, kind of recapping, cause then that's a lot you have to go through, have the initial like question, like, okay, well I see this it's influencing me. And then you have to have something else. Like what if and you have to have that thought process? Cause that's where everything starts. If you don't ever ask yourself, what if, it will never happen. You'll never even think about going up to the mound and taking a swing with the baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. And then you actually have to have something to sustain that, whether it's an energy source, opportunities, um, anything. And that can lead into different skill sets. You know, like I want to write a book one day. I want, if my podcast blows up, awesome. Maybe, I, maybe it gets picked up by a radio show one day. Yeah. Uh, cool. If not, what if, you know, what if it leads to other opportunities down the road? Cause somebody, yeah. maybe a CEO heard it like, you're putting yourself out there. And I think there's a level of uh, vulnerability that comes with that, but there's also a level of, you know, positive risk that can give you something back in return. So just don't be scared to take a step. Yeah, no, that's, 
It's so funny because, like, I was telling you offline before we recorded your podcast, there was this this concept of, like, it's called Ikigai, which is which is basically, like, the Japanese secret to, like, a, like a long life, being able to live a long life, um, which is really, really interesting to me. So, like, Ikigai kind of takes, like, four different components that, that you might be interested in, right? It's, like, it talks about your passion, like, what you're good at, what you love, what you can be paid for, and then what the world needs. And being able to find this balance between all of those different things. And I think that's what you're trying to do, right? Like you, you are, what you're good at is this humanized approach to strength and conditioning. Being able to tailor everything to a specific person, understanding their mental and their physical and getting them to where they need to go. I think what, you're, what you love is this aspect of networking and being able to talk to people and really build relationships what you can be paid for is partially your job, but then it turns into the stuff that you're thinking about right now, being mm-hmm. able to write, being able to put thought leadership and content out there. That's like, here's my experience as a normal person going through this. I'm going to take you through everything that I see trying to get to where like all of these David Alexander's and all these other people are at, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's my journey? Like, let me bring my human approach to it. And I think you also touched upon like what the world kind of needs is the ability to, 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 take this approach of, Hey, there's a long game here. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I'm doing right now could easily not be what I'm doing in 15 years. I could be doing com- something completely different, but what's that long game look like? So yeah, that's super, super interesting, man. Like I think you've had a very unique walkthrough of life from growing up, not really sure what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then going back into like, even in college, like you said, like that summer where you're doing construction, you're like, ah, I don't know. I'm going to try this out. And then now here where you are. So like, it's crazy to see the transformation, like how that goes. How do you feel about like where you've come from where you were like going into be a freshman at Longwood? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, even then, like I was still involved with, you know, the hardcore punk scene, doing front flips off stage, these wild <laughs> shows. Right. Uh, and while I have a lot of love for them and a love for that, it's, you know, you realize that if you hadn't left it behind, yeah. you wouldn't be where you are today. And because of that, you can see the growth and in a sense, there's a certain level of pride that comes with it. But I think also like uh, I'm trying to take a stance of being a little more humble about it lately because now I have a platform that can help people now. Okay. Who can I help bring in now? I'm at a comfortable level of income. I'm at, I'm doing these things that I love uh, at work and on the side hustle, which makes it that much more enjoyable. So now how do I not get satisfied? with all that. Cause there's a lot of like good satisfaction, money, <laughs> dating a woman like this and that, yeah. that can all just come in and, and make you feel like you're on top of the world. And yeah. you know, yes, I'm proud of what I've done. But once again, going back to the question of what if, what if I haven't even scratched the surface of my yeah. potential yet? Yeah. What if there's more? And I'm not saying I'm going to jump ship and go to another industry. You know, I don't plan on leaving coaching for a really long time. Yeah. But you never know, you know, your five-year plan can adjust like that. So yeah. I, I, w- I would just say I'm proud, but I think the story is unwritten. Yeah. It always will be though, right? Like yeah. it, it, it's never, it's never done until the fat, like what they say, it's not over till the fat lady sings. It's, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of the way to look at it. So that's great, man. So like, I, I really like, appreciate you jumping on and talking about a lot of this stuff because we touched on everything that this podcast is about, right? Like mm-hmm. going from where I knew you as was this shy 
kind of <laughs> awkward kid that I met through like second semester of freshman year to where I see you now, like the transformation is crazy. It's almost like, it almost like for me, if I was in your shoes, I'd look myself in the mirror and be like, dude, like I am not the same person I was like five years ago at all. Can I, can I interject on that too? Yeah. I don't think you ever should be the same person. Like, like there has to be growth and differences. Cause if I'm the same person, I still was in high school. That's an issue. In my opinion, if I'm the same person I was freshman year, that's an issue. You know, there's that Jack Harlow lyric where like, uh, y'all ain't evolving. That's very depressing. You know, you know, it's, it's, you have to be able to look at yourself and be your biggest critic and say, okay, where am I starting? And look, if anyone else is listening, just because you start a little lower on the totem pole does not mean you will be a failure for the rest of your life. You know, it's just get on the totem pole. Now find ways that you like to get up the totem pole. Yeah. That simple. Yeah. And that's a, it's a beautiful way to look at it. So I want to end with this last question and we'll get into mm-hmm. kind of the socials and stuff, but advice for people that maybe have not specific to your industry more mm-hmm. so, but like someone that dealt with a hardship like you, right. Where like in high school or middle school or, or in college or after college, like they just don't really know who they are or they, they struggle with this, after effect of everything that happens outside of like what they can control and like being bullied and, and, and kind of stuff like that. Like what advice do you give for somebody that so that they can do the same things that you're doing, right? Like constantly improving. Just talk a little bit about that. I think the first thing is find a way to heal, but also go out and be social. Cause I think there, there's a, there's a great book called the 48 laws of power and it's by Robert Green. And he talked about isolation is going to be your death. This is why kings who built up these giant castles with these big moats and these big defenses um, wound up being taken over because they were cut off from information. Um, They were cut off from ways of bettering themselves, right? So find a way to heal yourself while still going out and being able to fail and then lay that brick down like we talked about lay that brick yeah. of confidence you know and then build that up slowly uh it's going to mean taking time working on yourself and that's not fun it is a challenging very very taxing path but just like you build muscle in the gym you know you have to tear your body down to get it stronger so yeah. find ways to do that and adapt overcome and grow and then slowly keep growing you know, and you don't always have to put it out there and, and be boastful. Like that's something I think that I was very guilty of even last year. Like, look at me, I've done all this since then. And then realizing, well, maybe it's time to take a little more humble and um, humble approach, have some humility and say, okay, how could I help somebody doing that? So they don't make the same mistakes I did and be a better version of me. I love that. And maybe they're, you know, that coach in high school who helped me out. That coach yeah. was, was hard on me. He was the first hard figure I've ever had in my life that showed me that, Hey, hardship pays off. Cause a lot of times, you know, you, you could get me on a basketball team and you could say third string your yeah. whole career and you feel like your hardship's not paying off. But in the weight room, you have a way to visually see it, whether it's the number of, of pounds going up on the bar or your physicality, you have a way to feel it emotionally where, okay, you have all these endorphins running through your head. You're feeling yeah. good. And then there's a, a spiritual element to it. You come to respect it. You come to treat it as if it's a privilege to be there instead of I'm entitled to this. So yeah. by doing that, you need to find ways to, you know, unisolate yourself, heal yourself, and then find that purpose and passion that uh, takes you forward and keeps you humble. Yeah, I love that. I, I really love the, the part that you said about 
heal first, but let that healing be a journey, not like I need to block this time off to heal. It's Mm -hmm. how can I heal by still being able to, to kind of do the things that I want to do, right? Do the things that make me happy. It's not, I think people, they think about healing. They just say, I am going to take X amount of time to heal. Mm-hmm. And they lose a sense of who they are. Yeah. And, and, and I think it starts really with just cutting the drugs and alcohol out. Honestly, like yeah. if you get off that, that's your first step, dude. Because now your brain is clear of any crap and that healing can begin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Casa man, this is this was a beautiful interview. Like, thank you for jumping on. Like, I really appreciate it. Happy to have you on here to talk a little bit about because it's really interesting because your path is a lot different than yeah. other people that have jumped on here. And I really wanted to showcase that. Um, for people that want to network with you, people that want to connect with you, people that are maybe interested in doing some personal strength and conditioning work mm-hmm. with you, how can they find you on on social media? Yeah, so the Instagram is coach underscore telegatus. That's T-E-L-E-G-A-D-A-S for the last name. Uh, Twitter is Telegatus if they want to connect with me. Um, I will send you all that information to put in the description as well. Um, feel free to reach out to me uh, via my personal email, ktelegatus1993 at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm very open. You know, Hopefully my words can help somebody, um, help them find their passion, their purpose, and hopefully help them heal to become a better version of themselves. So they can do that for their family, their career, and all that impact they could potentially have on the world. I, I love that. I love that. So thank you again, Costa. This is awesome time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking time with me today. Um, be well. I'll see you soon. I'll be back in a few weeks. I'm excited, man. Yeah. Hopefully we can get together and uh, get a drink or two and, and be, you know, have some fun. So appreciate it, man. All right. I'll see you later, Barney. Thank you so much, man.